Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Netanyahu out, Naftali Bennett is in. New prime minister, we're going to break down what it means. Because the danger for Israel is now. Right now. And whether or not you think Netanyahu is going to be back, he's already said, I'll be back sooner than you think. You know he's going to press, he's going to push. This is a guy who doesn't go gently into the good night. But you know that Iran... Russia, others will take advantage of Netanyahu not being there because they will see weakness. I can't even say um, that, that they're wrong. Any change of power leads to some level of test. Naftali Bennett may be the former defense minister, but he is surrounded by people who are not interested in so much toughness and certainly don't have Netanyahu's backbone. This is also not a unity government. Don't buy into that at all. The vote was 60 to 59. One person abstained. There are only 120 people in the Knesset, uh, the, the, the Israeli parliament. 120 people to vote 60 to 59? It's a unity government by one person? One vote? That's not a unity government. Certainly not speaking for the whole of Israel. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's always a pleasure, guys. It's good to be back. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. I will have more uh, on that. We're uh, hoping to speak with the Council General to the Midwest, Aviv Ezra, on the subject. What is it that they're saying? What, what is it that we uh, can, can expect and I'll have more on this. Uh, my, my favorite bit of audio was Mike Pompeo on with Chris Wallace there at Fox News. And Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, is answering questions about uh, COVID and, and China and, and Chris Wallace being all Chris Wallacey. So just to button this up, and I want to ask you about one more question. Do you believe that the virus came from a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute. I do. The total silence from Chris Wallace is so precious. The look on his face, so miraculous, so miraculous. That audio is almost better than Bernie Sanders getting asked a question by the Politico cannabis reporter. And he's like, wait, you do you do cannabis. We're talking about weed. You do what? Senator Sanders, Natalie Furtick with Politico. I'm the cannabis reporter. Um, there's been an, you are the I'm cannabis, cannabis reporter. Are you stoned now? I'm not stoned right now. But I will, I will ask you a question. Is that a requirement to be? It's actually not. Okay. Just wanted to yeah, check it out. Just, I know. It's a, it's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. She's never been asked if she's stoned before. Never, never been asked that. Oh, 2021 is a, is a thing. I tell you what. I tell you what. Honest answers, flummox, quote-unquote, reporters. And we have cannabis reporters. It's just a... It, it, it's it's just, a, just a dream, I tell you. Just a dream. But I think the story of the day is over in New Jersey. 
And this took place over the weekend. Where the uh, New Jersey School Board, this is Randolph, New Jersey. So this is northern New Jersey, Morris County. Remember, I, I grew up in Jersey. The, the, these are my people. And when I say they're my people, I left as quickly as humanly possible. They, not wanting to offend, have removed uh, the names of days off. Right? They had Columbus Day, and they said, hmm, that's not woke enough. That's not woke enough. So we're going to call it Indigenous Peoples Day. But it's not Indigenous Peoples Day. It's Columbus Day. So what are you doing? Anytime I hear Indigenous Peoples Day, I laugh. There is not a society on planet Earth that you can point to that hasn't done something else to some other society on planet Earth, hurting them, damaging them, killing them, eliminating them. Can't be said. Now, I am not going to make a claim that the way the United States has treated Native American tribes throughout history has always been on the up and up. And I don't even mind a look into how we do this better. Ah, uh, two looks. And then, of course, doing it better. I'm down. But what do we think? What do we think? Uh, the... the, the This is new? People found other lands and they fought each other. And Native Americans killed other Native Americans. And African tribes killed other African tribes. This is what happened in recorded history. Stop pretending that you're shocked by it or that somehow only America is guilty of it. So they call Columbus Day Indigenous Peoples Day, and, and uh, the, the, the people of Randolph, New Jersey, rightfully so, are like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. So now they're like, you know what, forget it. No more holidays. No Thanksgiving, no Memorial Day, no Christmas, no Jewish holidays like Rosh Hashanah. And no, it's just going to be a day off. According to a board member, if we don't have anything on the calendar, we don't have to have anyone with hurt feelings or anything like that. This is the problem. The board should be saying, yeah, I don't care about your hurt feelings. Your hurt feelings mean absolutely, positively nothing to me. It's Memorial Day, and no one gives a Damn if you like it or not. No one cares. No one cares if you like it that it's called Columbus Day. Screw off. You don't mean anything to us. We don't care about your feelings. When did this become the standard? When did it become necessary for us to take into consideration other people's feelings? Now... I don't think there's anything wrong with feelings. I think there's something wrong with pretending things don't exist because of people's feelings. For example, when people say, oh, they see the American flag and, you know, it's, it's quite disturbing. And you're like, Tony, who in the world said they saw the American flag and found it disturbing? Oh, hi, New York Times. One of their uh, board members, editorial board members, is Mara Gay. 
And uh, she's quoted as saying, I was on Long Island this weekend, and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with expletives against Joe Biden, Trump flags, and in some cases, just dozens of American flags, which is also just disturbing. There is no place and at no time where the American flag is inappropriate in the United States. Fly it wherever you wish. Oh, and the bigger, the better. So the New York Times has come out to defend her. New York Times editorial board member Mara Gay's comments on MSNBC have been taken irresponsibly taken have been irresponsibly taken out of context. Her argument was that Trump and many of his supporters have politicized the American flag. The attacks on her today are ill-informed and grounded in bad faith. No one believes you. It's a New York Times. No one believes you. Spin all you want. You're so full of garbage. We know it. We see it. We, we, we get it. She thinks that the American flag is disturbing. Now, when you see people who think the American flag is disturbing, are we supposed to now hide the American flag? I had people in the Democratic Party who are Jewish saying, hey, you know, uh, Jews are a little under attack right now, so why don't you, uh, why don't you hide your kippah, your head covering, and hide your Star of Dave, and, and try, not to, try not to act so Jewy. Try not to act so Jewish. Seriously. Seriously, may, maybe today's the day for that nose job. I mean, what the hell do they mean? Don't act so Jewish. So what do I do with this information? Don't act so Jewish? All right, I'll just reattach my foreskin. They'll never suspect a thing. You wouldn't tell anybody else that a day in your life. Hey, don't act so gay. You'd be vilified. Could could you not be so black? You'd get ripped apart. What kind of thing is this? Don't act so Jewish. Seriously, stop it with that. That's very ethnic. Are you eating a bagel? What are you, nuts? Don't you dare put a smear on there. Don't you dare. The editorial, uh, member of the editorial board of the New York Times is disturbed by the American flag. What are we supposed to do? Worry about this? Change who we are about this? No. No, we're not. We're not supposed to change anything about this. We're not supposed to be bothered by people who are somehow disturbed by the American flag. We're supposed to laugh at them in their face and then move on with our day. If you're disturbed by Columbus Day, you're the problem. Why should we, the free and thinking people of society, have any reason to change who we are for you I don't think we should do that I don't think there's a value in that as a matter of fact we shouldn't do it at all so New Jersey going down this road is remarkably dangerous because it's actually the push towards nihilism hey we don't want to offend anybody so we'll pretend that none of this exists except the holidays have purpose The holidays have purpose. Memorial Day is about remembering those who died serving their nation. That's not a day off. 
Thanksgiving is about a coming together to recognize the blessings of a nation and the thanks we have for our lives and for each other. It is not just a day off. Independence Day, which is not the 4th of July, is not just a day off. I mean, if the school's going to do it, yeah, it's summer, but other places will do it. It is about the recognition that we threw off the yoke and made America the place. By the way, not only did we throw off the yoke of the oppression of King George, but we got rid of slavery in less than 100 years. That's what the founders did. That's what the nation did. Not bad. I wish it had been faster. I wish it had never happened. Yet, here we are. And that's what they did. We shouldn't recognize that. You could argue it should have been faster. Okay. It isn't still happening today. There are nations where slavery still happens today. We watch China day in and day out. And not only do we say nothing about it, we keep buying their crap. I mean, just noticing. These days have meaning. Now, one of the places where we already engaged in bastardization was President's Day. I don't want President's Day. I'm not going to celebrate Woodrow Wilson or Barack Obama. I'm not celebrating Jimmy Carter. Screw it. George Washington's birthday? Abraham Lincoln's birthday? Okay, I'm sold. I'll celebrate those. But not President's Day. I don't celebrate every president. I'm not celebrating James Knox Polk. You know why? I couldn't tell you thing one about JKP. That's right, Knox with a K. See what I did there? And neither are you. You you don't have an expertise on James Knox Polk. No, you do not. You don't have an expertise on John Quincy Adams. I mean, we could all do a little bit better, I guess is the argument I'm making. But we don't celebrate every president. We may appreciate, but we don't celebrate. We celebrate a couple whose contribution is of miraculous value, and some people can even disagree with that. But these words have meaning. These these holidays matter. They matter. And the woke folk who want Indigenous Peoples Day, well, they're just bad people who want you somehow to erase parts and levels of history. Can't worry about their feelings. And pushing back is really important. And I'm happy to see it. And of all places, New Jersey. Maybe there's hope for the nation after all. I'm Tony Katz. It is National Bourbon Day. Can we get a little... Can we get a little something for that? that? See, that's just good news right there. Yes, 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 yes. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today it's good to be with you. Uh, you should, you should have yourself a a a, a bourbon. I'm just. I'm just saying you should. Uh, what to have on Bourbon Day? Uh, well, you can start with a little 1792. Right? Um, when uh, the Kentucky Bourbon Festival kicks off every year, they start with the 1792. Why? 1792 is the year Kentucky became a state. And that's why it's called 1792. Uh, but I, I think you can grab anything. Understand, though, a bourbon is not a whiskey. Wait, no, wait. Bourbon is whiskey. Not all whiskey is bourbon. There you go. 
Much better. Bourbon has to be uh, uh, two years uh, in a charred oak barrel uh, made uh, from oak. Um, if it's under, if it's after the two, see, see, that's where it gets confusing. Bourbon is fifty-one percent corn. Bourbon is in uh, charred oak barrels, right? First use charred oak barrels. Some people want to say American oak. I have seen that back and forth. It can just be oak, right? Then there's the idea of how long it has to be in the barrel. Well, some people say in and out of the barrel, it's still bourbon. As long as it's a charred oak barrel, right? They add some heat to it. It's bourbon. Some people will say the the two years. No, that's to be a straight bourbon. But if it's less than four years, you have to put the age on the label. You follow me? In order to be a straight bourbon, it's got to be more than two years. However, if it's if it's over two years, but not yet uh, uh, four years, it has to have an age statement. Anything under four years has to have that age statement on the label. Now, very often, the bourbons that have been there for, you know, seven years, like Booker's or something, like that, they'll tell you because it's, it's, it's a point of pride. But bourbon is the American drink. It's designated so. Right? You go back to 1964. You have House Concurrent Resolution 57, designating bourbon a distinctive product of the U.S. The Senate puts forth Senate Concurrent Resolution 19, setting forth that bourbon was only to be made in the U.S. Just like scotch is only a a, a product of Scotland. You can do single malts. You can do single malt whiskeys anywhere. But scotch comes from Scotland. There's no other way for that to happen. Bourbon only comes from the United States. And no, not just Kentucky. That's the worst myth of all. They make good bourbon in Kentucky, but it is not the only place where they have bourbon or that can make bourbon. Bourbon can come from anywhere in the 50 United States of America. Kentucky just has a better hold on bourbon. Indiana has a better hold on rye, right? It's just the way it is. And rye is good. Oh, rye, instead of 51% corn, it's 51% rye, right? That's, that's the majority grain in there, and that's why it's called a, a rye whiskey. And done in, in, in the same way in the charred barrels and everything else. So have yourself a drink. Drink responsibly. If you need any recommendations, I'm here for you. I'm happy to help. Catch me on, on, on Twitter, at Tony Katz, Parlor Tony Katz, Facebook Tony Katz Radio. We'll tell you what to do for National Bourbon Day. If you never had a bourbon before and you're of age, buy a bottle. Don't go too crazy. Don't go too expensive. Give it a try yourself. This is Tony Katz today. I got to get into the story of Ocasio-Cortez's abuela. It's just too absolutely spectacular that she could go out there and talk about her poor abuela, her poor grandmother, and talk about how Donald Trump is keeping her in squalor. Right? It's Donald Trump who kept her abuela in Puerto Rico from getting money to fix her apartment. 
when that wasn't true. And not only is it not true, everybody has come out to say this is ridiculous. And she gets, uh, you have Matt Walsh over there from Daily Wire raising $100,000 for her grandmother. She won't take it. Then even family is like, you're, so, you're lying. You're absolutely lying. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. And it is all a lie, by the way. It is all a lie. And what Ocasio-Cortez does, and I'm going to get into this, this childlike style of hers, she's, she's, she is a child, except she's a ruthless child. And we'll get into that. But let me get into some of the things that are making their way across Congress right now. One of them is H.R. 1. And we don't talk enough about uh, what uh, this is, right? How this voting rights, quote unquote, voting rights act works, where the problems are and what it does to states who are supposed to be in charge uh, of uh, of elections not only right you've got the the you have hr1 and then you have the john lewis voting rights advancement act they're actually two separate things what are these things where do they come from what do they have to do with the election that just passed and how do you fight them jay christian adams joins us right now president of the public interest legal foundation and commissioner on uh the u.s uh commission for civil rights or at least i should say uh former commissioner on the u.s no, commission I'm, for civil rights are I'm you still there now, Tony. Are you still there? I have a term through 2025. Biden has, uh, or President Trump appointed me for five years. So, yeah, I'm still on it. Well, then good on you. He joins us right now. Um, I did not know that you were still there. And I think I thought with the change of the administration, it would change uh, your time there. You also spent your time at the DOJ and have great stories from the Department of Justice. But let us get now into this. Let's start with H.R. 1 because people have heard of the For the People Act, but may not be sure of what the For the People Act actually does and how it's not actually for the people. No, it's a total federal takeover of election process. In other words, how we run our elections. You know, force force states to get rid of voter ID. You can't do that anymore. You have to accept ballots for 10 days after the election in the mail. They just keep rolling in, like, right up to Thanksgiving. So you won't even know who the new president is on Thanksgiving dinner, quite possibly. And so it's just it's just a total federal takeover over everything about elections. I only mentioned two things, a mandatory same day registration. So you just walk up to vote anywhere in the country. You don't have to register in advance. One crazy idea after another. But these ideas. Right. You could make the argument. Well, they could benefit Republicans as well. Right. This isn't just about Democrats just trying to take over an election. Republicans can use this to their advantage. Where does is this a conversation of difficulty regarding political party or is this a conversation regarding issue with the Constitution? Uh, it, well, it's 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 the Constitution. It's something else. It's it's building vulnerabilities into the system that cranks in uncertainties. It's like taking off in a jet airplane with loose rivets. Okay, you you, you they're cranking in failure points to know who actually won elections. That they're basically taking 2020 and making it federal law, uh, where you you have all these possible glitches. You have drop boxes where you shove ballots into in the neighborhood where people like they did in Virginia pour gasoline in and light it on fire. It's 
true story. Uh, Wait, you, you what? You have people who end up voting twice because they're voting by mail and in person. More true stories. You have mail ballots going to vacant lots and abandoned businesses like in Nevada. Also a true story. The point is that it's cranking in vulnerabilities at the same time that it's gutting the Constitution. People set ballots on fire in Virginia? Yeah, they, there were these drop boxes were there, and and people would go to certain neighborhoods and 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 uh, and, and and light them up, right? Light them up, baby, and they they burn the ballots in these drop boxes. They put them on fire, and what are you going to do at that point? Jay Christian Adams joins us right now, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation and a commissioner on the United States Commission for Civil Rights. But as you talk about it, you take a look at the issues of H.R. 1, which, and and I argue rightfully so, isn't the conversation about party, but rather about whether or not we're a nation that respects the vote. You take a look at this and say the John Lewis Voting Right Advancement Act is even worse. How so? Well, right. And and what we were just talking about was H.R. 1 was a total federal takeover. And H.R. 4 is different because it's a total federal takeover also of a different kind. And what it does, Tony, is it gives bureaucrats at the Justice Department, where I used to work, the power to cancel and reject every single new election law. Like these unnamed, unelected, faceless bureaucrats, who, by the way, are all hardcore ideologues, uh, hardcore lefties, uh, will have the power to reject every time, for example, Indiana wants to move a polling place from a school gym to a school cafeteria or change the hours the election office is open uh, from 830 to 840 in the morning uh, and to change cancel out voter ID or any of the administrative procedures of elections, it would give Washington bureaucrats a veto power. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. That, there's there's a lot uh, to break down here. Um, when when you talk about what this does, right, I hear a lot about H.R. 1. I don't hear anything about H.R. 4. Where is this in the process? Well, that's a good point. The reason you don't hear so much about H.R. 4 is because the Democrats are still zealous about H.R. 1. They're not going to move to H.R. 4 until they think H.R. 1 is lost. That's their strategy in Congress, is don't talk about H.R. 4 because we still want H.R. 1. They're very greedy. And so um, the the base of the Democrat Party wants the whole ball game. They want H.R. 1. They want, you know, uh, every bell and whistle takeover of elections you can imagine. And the more moderate, well, I wouldn't say moderate Democrats, but the the less crazy ones uh, are willing to pivot to H.R. 4 as a strategy. And that's what's happening right now in Washington. They're just trying to figure out which federal takeover they want to move through Congress. You have watched... Washington, D.C., you've been on the inside of, of, of Washington, D.C. in different ways. Of course, your time at the DOJ was a was a, was a peculiar one at, at, at that. This isn't a question of whether or not you've ever seen a time where it's so partisan. Rather, knowing D.C. as you do, do you see a time where it stops? 
Is there a moment within our future, immediate future, where there is an end to this level of radicalness? Because the things that we're discussing here, H.R. 1 and H.R. 4, these aren't things that just hurt Republicans and hurt Democrats. It hurts the very core of who we are as a people. So do you see this ending anytime soon? Tony, that's why I love your show. It's one of the best talk shows in the country because you get it. And you're right. These two pieces of legislation, they undo the union. This is why we have a United States, because states got to control their own elections. They got to control their own affairs, their internal politics. They feared Washington, D.C. H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 totally undoes the union. It's like the new nullifiers. They say, oh, we don't like that pesky old constitution. We're taking control. And do I see an end to it? Unfortunately, the only way you, you stop it is by defeating these people. You can't negotiate with them. They, they are hardcore believers in utopia uh, driven by uh, inside the Beltway, the Beltway utopias. And until you beat them at the ballot box, they're going to keep trying to devour the original intent of the country. His name is Jay Christian Adams. And look, man, um, we're going to continue to follow where we're going here. And I know that Senator Manchin, who is taking a lot of heat from Democrats, the senator from Democrat senator from West Virginia, has said he will not support HR one. Um, but even without his support, right? That of, of course, in a fifty-fifty Senate, that makes things impossible. Are there people out there like the Mitt Romneys, the Lisa Murkowski's, the Susan Collins, the Ben Sasses, who might uh, see their way clear to voting for an HR one? I mean, can even without Mansion, can this thing still survive? I don't think so. I think the the caucus is ironclad on HR1. What is more troubling is that Murkowski is a co-sponsor of HR4, which is the, you know, the other federal takeover. And uh, that's problematic, and the only way you can kill it is if there's a filibuster. So the bureaucrats in Washington uh, still have a chance of taking over federal elections if there's no filibuster. Jay Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, commissioner on the U.S. Commission for Civil Rights. I appreciate you taking the time. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So producer Ari gets with me during the break. He's like, yeah, that whole thing about the burning ballots is debunked. And I'm like, I had never even heard the story before. What are you talking about? He goes, look, look it up. The burning ballots is debunked. Okay. It's half debunked. Let me go through it. Tony Katz, great to be with you, Tony Katz, today. So we had on Jay Christian Adams uh, and uh, talking about H.R. 1 and H.R. 4, which I knew very little about, and these these problematic uh, bits of legislation that really are built to do away with the Constitution. That's, that is what they do. It's about taking away uh, the, the, the rights of people the right to vote it's about limiting your opportunity to ensure that it is safe and secure so the story was was that there were people in virginia who basically poured gasoline into a ballot box and lit it on fire so that's the claim now what is false 
is that they were not actual ballots, but they were sample ballots. So these were sample ballots that were set on fire. Local news outlets um, say, uh, look, we, we were able to debunk this as well. These things were fake. What isn't fake is that it happened. So I'd have to go back and ask him, does he know that while the action happened, there were no actual ballots that were burned? Regardless, I would ask this question. Why in the world would something like that even happen? What was the point? These are the kinds of things that make people crazy. We should always make sure we're checking, double-checking, rechecking. I don't get bothered by that i think it's important we're gonna do it i don't keep up with every bit of 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 uh conspiracy insanity that's out there i didn't know it was there i had never heard the story never heard the story so they go through and and engage a level of debunking, and it also comes from some local outlets, right? If you told me, well, CNN says it's fake, it's CNN. I'm not paying any attention to CNN. I'm not paying any attention to CNN. I don't care what they have to say. My gosh, is CNN terrible. Should I play for you the Jim Acosta audio? I mean, how how much do you think I I, I hate you that I would play for you? Jim Acosta, you know what, I don't hate you, but you got to hear it. So I'll do it in the next hour. I promise. Also, um, talk about fake news. Black Lives Matter. Infighting, building up because members want accountability. Let me give you the, the setup and then let me give you the conclusion. The setup is Patrice Cullors, who started Black Lives Matter, made herself a millionaire and then walked away after buying four houses. Four houses, a total of over $3 million. She put fencing and electric gate around one of the homes. Meanwhile, the Black Lives Matter chapters get nothing, and they're wondering what the heck is going on. They want answers. And what's happening in these Black Lives Matter chapters across the country is they are realizing that they weren't on the inside. As with all communist socialist regimes, everyone thinks they're in the inner circle until you realize the inner circle is much smaller than originally thought and they're on the outs. They didn't get the money. They didn't get the help. They weren't able to help their neighborhoods. But Patrice Cullors enriched herself and enriched her family. And now she's walking away. Best of luck figuring out where the money is. And if you ask, well, you're just, you're just, you're just helping out white people. Oh, that isn't what they're going to say? Oh, sure. Sure. Whatever you say. Well, no, no, no. There'll be, no one will accuse uh, these black men and women across the country of, 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 of racism when they're like, hey, why would you do with all the money? $90 million the group took it. Where is it all? They just realized that they were not part of the grift. They were grifted. The only person who did all right was Patrice Cullors and maybe one or two of her partners. Everybody else, 
My God, they 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 just followed blindly and figured they were going to do some good somewhere. Lie about this, lie about that. Remember, they 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 lied about Michael Brown and Ferguson. Hands up, don't shoot. Never happened. He wasn't an angel. He attacked a cop. The Justice Department says so. The Eric Holder Justice Department. But I gotta tell you, I, I I'd love to feel bad for him, but they had to know. They had to know Black Lives Matter was a grift from the beginning. And anybody who still supports it, supports a Marxist organization and supports a grifter who screwed over thousands of people who actually believed in something. But no, let athletes still support Black Lives Matter and let the woke still support uh, this garbage organization of grifters. Now, they've got our respect. They don't? That's right. They don't. This is Tony Katz today.